I'm Natalie Siston. And I'm Joy Schwartz. We are The The Collective Collective Voice. We are two college friends who will talk about issues that impact professionals at work and in life. This is Natalie to introduce the next episode of The Collective Voice. Today, we bring you Melissa Marks Garner. The one sentence I thought of to describe this episode is, how did Melissa Marks Garner go from being a high schooler carrying a hernia-inducing backpack to a stressed-out real estate agent in New York City, to a successful mindfulness and meditation expert. That's what we're covering with you today. I hope you enjoy the episode and stick around for some great takeaways at the end. Welcome to The Collective Voice. This is episode 19, called Mindfulness for the Mainstream, with Melissa Marks Garner. Melissa is a licensed professional counselor and certified yoga teacher. Melissa began her own meditation practice in 1997 and has been practicing ever since. She has had the great honor of receiving teaching and meditation in the presence of a number of spiritual teachers. Melissa began giving wellness workshops and meditation trainings in 2005. Over this time, she has lectured and provided meditation groups and individual sessions to hundreds of people. I am so excited to have Melissa with me on our show, and before I turn it over to you, I just have to share that you actually, this actually came to be because of another podcast interview I conducted uh, with Casey Kuntz and Alex Null, who own Improv to Improve, and they, I had to ask them, who else should I connect with? And they connected me to Melissa, and we had this amazing connection, and I said, oh, we have to, we have, to have an interview. So uh, Melissa, with that as our introduction, would love for you to share a little bit more about you, and then we'll kind of jump into our interview. Well, thank you. I mean, what a, what a great way to be introduced, and I am very, very happy to be here with you talking. And yeah, the only thing I would want to add is some of the more informal aspects of that introduction. Certainly, that's the formal, <laughs> that's the formal what you put down on paper. But um, when I started this journey in 97, man, golly, it's hard to believe, almost 20 years ago. 20 years ago, wow. Is it okay for me to say that you still look like a spring chicken? Thank you. We can talk about... We can talk about aging and telomeres later if you'd like. Oh, let's definitely some, get into there's that. There's some nerdiness about about this. But yeah, so at that time I was 24, 43 now. I started uh, the journey because I was working as a real estate agent in New York City. And I was burning out, quite, quite truly. And man, just thinking about that... I have so much more energy than I did 20 years ago, that's for sure. Wow. Oh, yeah. Um, I could just tell that what I was doing was not working for me. I was pretty type A, very perfectionist, and very future-oriented, so anxiety-ridden. <laughs> and I just, I don't know, it just wasn't wasn't working for me and one day in the office there was a young gentleman not much older than myself at the time and he stood apart from everyone else most people were like me and he was different he had a smile on his face he looked calm and peaceful and joyful and 
he was lovely and I just and we were friends and one day I just asked him I said what are you doing what are you doing and whatever it is I need some of it <laughs> and he said without hesitation truly without hesitation I meditate and I was like you do what a little South Texas girl up in New York I was like what's that yeah exactly and you know from there it began and it was just eight years of my own personal journey of taking courses classes workshops um in that span of time I went back to school got my master's degree uh I'm a licensed professional counselor as you mentioned and you know really just decided that this was a much bigger calling than than just doing it for myself and um man 2005 is when it really really began for me and it was a, a case of bloom where you're planted so at that time regular job I was working at a women's shelter and mm. They let me do a support group, a mindfulness group for survivors of domestic violence and sexual assault. So a pretty highly traumatized group of people um, had enough training by that point and felt that I could do it. And it was wonderful. It was great. And then I um, did a volunteer group at um, the American Cancer Society with cancer survivors. And so it was just really dipping my toes in and saying, I want to do this. And this is where I am in life, and I'm going to do it here and now. Good for you for listening to yourself. Not everyone does. Mm, yeah, thank you. So where did you go from there? Okay, so while working at the women's shelter, so part of the way it worked over there is we had the residential clients, okay. and then we had the non-residential clients. So that would be anybody that obviously didn't need the shelter for for their immediate safety they had jobs they had homes they had lives maybe they had a sexual assault in their past or something and they were simply going to the shelter for counseling so I started to develop a network of just word of mouth people started to hear about me they would tell their co-worker about oh she's doing these things um and so a small little private practice started to emerge along the side the beginning of the side hustle if you will the very very beginning and it was fun and it was good and it was just starting to rev up and then of course there's there's always a little bit of a something right so at that point, my then-husband got a great job opportunity here in Dallas, so we left. And then it was all starting over again. I had no mm-hmm. contacts here in Dallas, so same thing. Full-time job in the sort of counseling world, and then slowly but surely making my way to, okay, I can do a part-time job in this field, and then do the side hustle business on the side, and did that for a number of years and then it was only in last year, April of last year, when I went 100% full-time. Hey, congratulations, Woo-hoo! officially. Woo-hoo! <laughs> yes, many of us aspire to be where you are. So it's we always ask a lot of questions about you know, our, our entrepreneurs on our, our podcast for sure. So I guess getting back to some of the, mm-hmm. the why you kind of got into this, mm-hmm. can you tell us more about how you why this has been personally beneficial to you and then why mindfulness and meditation practices are important in general I don't think I I I just wouldn't be the same person that I the person you're sitting in front of today joy (laughs) is not the person you 
would have known 15 years ago, 10 years ago even, certainly not 20. This person is highly chill, for those of you listening. (laughs) And I really highly wasn't. I promise you that. (laughs) I promise you that. I, um, just to kind of paint a picture, in high school, I carried around a backpack that was way too heavy. And they thought that I actually was causing a hernia in myself at the little ripe age of 17 or something ridiculous. Well, some of that's not your fault. Those textbooks are ridiculous. But it was a little bit of an over, just, I don't know, just too much, too, too much, trying too hard, trying to meet some vision or version of myself, uh, what I, I put too much undue pressure on myself, perhaps. Hmm. So I have goals, I am focused, but I am so much more strategic and thoughtful and Um, I let go a lot more. There's less of a need to push and push and strive and strive for an outcome. There's Mm. less of that and much more trust. And that trust comes from listening. You mentioned listening earlier. It's about getting quiet enough to hear the voice. Hearing the voice is the first step. Second step is, is really to honor it. And that can take a, a lot of time to sit with. But you still just sit with it. And when you're ready to make those moves, you make them. And so it's, it's a co-partnership, if you will, of some sort of higher voice within us. I think we all have that. So it's listening and then being a, a co-creator, an active participant in that plan. Wow. So that's hard to follow. But tell me, let's unpack that a little bit. Mm -hmm. For people who have had no exposure to the types of concepts and ethereal or existential thinking and awareness you've just alluded to, how can someone, or tell us a little bit more about mindfulness and meditation and some of the practices that you're alluding to. Perfect. Yeah. Why don't we start there? Yeah. So mindfulness, very simply defined, I'll use the John Kabat-Zinn definition, which by the way, if anyone wanted just a good primer, where to start with this, anything by John Kabat-Zinn, he's really the person that really brought mindfulness to the West, um, very science, uh, Back, you know, science background, uh, very clinical, it's secular, it's not religious. Yeah. Um, but mindfulness, as he defines it, is paying attention in a particular way, on purpose, in the present moment, and non-judgmentally. Ooh, so, you've got that down. Yeah, said it a few times. <laughs> and before you move on, his yeah. name, for those who are noting, is... Uh, John, I think J O N, correct. And then the last name is K A B as in boy A T hyphen Z I N N. Correct. Yes, I have a book, <laughs> and I have seen him in person. Yes, he's very when cool. he came to SMU. That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. We found out we were both at that event, but mm-hmm. I digressed and got you off off track. Sure. So forgive me. So back to him and sure. this kind of definition. So mindfulness. So you can think of it as two distinct. Uh, ways of looking at it. You've got the formal practice of what I just said. So when you think of a formal practice, it's usually probably what everyone thinks. Closing your eyes, 
you're seated, your hands are you know folded in your lap, and you're just there with your with your whole person, your whole being, you're noticing your thoughts. Yes, that is that's mindfulness in a formal sense. Uh, but then there is mindfulness in everyday life, the informal practice of mindfulness. So there are a lot of people who say, Melissa, I don't have extra time to devote to anything, right? You know, you could probably relate. You've got a, a full plate in too, your life. Too many things, yes. <laughs> right, so the beautiful thing about this practice is you can find any activity and make it a mindful activity. Your whole life can be a mindful life. So just to start, um, think of something that you are already are doing. For example, brushing your teeth. Let's assume all of your listeners brush their teeth. That's probably a safe bet given our listening audience. Yes. Let's go with your example anyway, (laughs) just for sake of argument. Okay, let's pretend everyone out there is brushing their teeth. So that's a great time to be mindful, right? So think about how many times when you're brushing your teeth, you're thinking probably about something in the future or something that just happened. You're not just brushing your teeth, noticing the sensations of the toothbrush on your teeth, noticing your breath, noticing your body, noticing your thoughts. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's if you just did that and devoted that, devoted yourself to that as your practice, that's a mindfulness practice. Every time you get up from your seat at work to go to the bathroom, that can be a mindful walk. Every time you're in line at Kroger to pay your groceries, that can be a mindful waiting. How about that? And so what's happening is we are finding places, there's a term called dead space where it's like there's really nothing happening those are great moments to check in because what we want to do is re-engage the parasympathetic nervous system. That's the slowing down of things. We live in a very highly stressful world, right. which is the sympathetic nervous system. That's the fight, flight, or freeze response. Yeah, or what I sometimes refer to as the gas pedal. Yes. Whereas the parasympathetic nervous system is us pushing on the brake. Yeah, exactly. Slowing it down. And so... You've got to find ways to slow things down for yourself, whether that's a long formal practice, if you've got 10 minutes or 15 or 20, awesome. If you only have a minute, that's great too. But certainly everybody has these other pockets of time, these dead space moments. It's just about, again, being aware, being conscious, being deliberate, being intentional about doing it. Yeah, so... If you can, say more about how these practices impact that parasympathetic nervous system or our ability to slow down. Like what's the payoff for actually? Because you could, you know, I could pay attention to brushing my teeth for a week and then give up, right? Mm-hmm. And say, this is boring. But what happens over time when we actually make that sort of commitment? So there's something called neuroplasticity. And basically what that means or what that is, is that is the brain's ability to change as a result of input you're giving it from the environment. Mm. So many, many studies have been made where you're, they're looking even at beginning meditators. So you don't have to have years and years of experience under your belt but they have been able to see some very distinct changes in the brain. So in particular, the prefrontal cortex, which is 
all of your executive functioning, so better decision-making, yep. better focus, all of those things, there's gray matter there, and it gets thicker, and um, it just gets stronger. So your ability to make better decisions will be positively impacted if you have a consistent practice. And, I mean, that really is key. If, if you're just doing it for... You know, once in a blue moon there, once in a blue moon there, you're probably not going to see an ROI. But if you devote some real time and consistency, over time you will. Another area of the brain uh, that is shown to really gain some great traction is the hippocampus. Mm -hmm. That is improvement in the memory. And I can tell you just like anecdotally a story. few months ago, I was going to a friend's apartment with another friend, and we had been there before together, and I was at the gate code area trying to put in the code, and again, we had been there months before, and I just took a stab at it. I said, uh, 7406, right? And she was like, wow, it's 7460. Like, that's, that's crazy, Melissa. How do you even remember that? And I was like, I don't know. I really don't know how I remember it. And the only thing I can say, because I've never done intentional memory building exercises, is that this practice really does what the research suggests it does. And um, another area is emotional regulation, which Mm. is also ruled in the hippocampus area. So just being able to not react to everything that gets under your skin. I mean... We don't know anything about that as Jewish women, do we? <laughs> you know? It's in the DNA. It has to be deprogrammed. <laughs> well, it can work on a cellular level. <laughs> so, so like, that's, that's some of it. And then, of course, the amygdala, which is the seat of fear and anxiety. So that's so heavily connected with stress. So that, that shrinks. So that's just the brain. And we haven't even gotten into... All of the studies on depression, anxiety, hypertension, uh, better sleep, digestion. Digestion. I mean, it really Google something and then write mindfulness and then put research. I mean, the explosion of research in the last few years has been incredible, and it's no longer. I'm I'm just so thrilled because it's no longer permissible for anybody. I think at this point to write off meditation or mindfulness because the science is just too great absolutely well and that's a really nice segue into this distinction between the two okay and then I want to come back to other ways you can get started in this and other types of practices so including yours great so let's talk about the just just help make that distinction between mindfulness and meditation for our listeners sure so there are a lot of different forms of meditation practices, if you will, right? So there's something called transcendental meditation. There's, um, you know, mantra meditation. There's all different kinds of meditations. They're all leading you down the same path, right? They're all trying to get us to relax, to disengage a bit from the stress and get the body in a a calmer place. So they all kind of have a similar goal, but sort of a different method to to that path. So mindfulness is just one of a number of meditation practices. And it's about being present it is about in the be- moment, fo- without judgment. Without judgment, focusing on your breath, 
Mm-hmm. And focusing on noticing sensations, the noticing of thoughts. So it's a lot of observing what is and not uh, engaging so much with, with the thoughts. And when you find that you are, which you will, I'm going to say right now, because that, that happens all the time, mm-hmm. is just pulling yourself back out again. And then mindfulness, as I sort of alluded to before, is also a, a, a way of approaching life. As, as I mentioned yep. before, in the everyday life, we can be mindful. So you don't even have to attach it to a formal practice of meditation. And could you argue or could you say that meditation sometimes involves or often involves some sort of mantra or... No, you know, so, no. So, okay, so say, how so, do you distinguish a little bit? So that, that's a great question. So in a mindfulness practice, you are not, you're not doing a mantra. Okay. Right? I mean, anyone can do anything. Let me just say that. It's totally fine if, like, <laughs> if mantras are your thing. If you want to say "Om" all the way to work, I don't good. know anybody does that. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> but typically, that is not part of the mindfulness package, if, okay. you, if you will. Fair enough. Yeah. Now, if you want to, now you have studied with some experts and brilliant scholars in the field. So maybe say a little bit more about that and what you've found, like what you've personally gained yeah. from working with some of these. Mm. some of these folks and mm-hmm. that's what yeah give us so when I was fortunate enough to be living in New York kind of going way back to that beginning story of being being there I was there for seven years and mm-hmm. when you get to live in a great city like New York a lot of interesting smart wise people come come there for things yeah. and I just made myself available or availed myself I should say to to as many things as I could and some of those were more intimate than others some were I was in a huge huge space with you know thousands of others uh to enjoy somebody and others were just one-on-one in a room and um so all of that to say the, the thing that unites all of those amazing people is their energy. You can feel them. And especially being in a big room, in a big group, and still feel the presence of these people and their words. It's different than reading a book that they, that they write because you're feeling them as they're explaining it. And there's something in that special sauce, I guess, that has some kind of, there's some synapses that happen, I guess, in learning where things make more sense. You kind of get it a little bit deeper or better. So those experiences when I was living in New York were great foundations for me and really special. And can you cite some of these folks you've been able to study with? Uh, Would we know any of them? I don't want to name name drop. Oh, no, no, it's okay. Well, I bet we can find it on your website, which we'll get to later. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, then let's transition to the the corporate side of your work. So that's a big leap, right? We just got out of this, like, major, you know, you sitting in a room um, silently for hours with really impressive people to now we're in the boardroom or now we're in a corporate training room. So, So you lead classes 
um, at a facility here in Dallas. So I want you to tell us about that. But I also want you to tell us about some of the work you do in organizations and how that how that works. Sure. So it looks differently depending upon the client and what an organization is looking for. So sometimes that is being a conference presenter or um, speaking at a retreat or a lunch and learn, that kind of thing. So more of a one-off kind of special event sort of thing. And then other times I get to go in over time with a group and create a structured program that is both educational and also experiential. So a little bit how we're talking and I'm throwing in some neuroscience, I'm talking a little bit about the research, a little bit about this and explaining stuff. Imagine that over time and a more sort of um, consistent logical progression with a group of people, also based on what they're looking for. Some some companies, you know, they're all they say is, our people are really stressed. Or they say, um, you know, employee engagement, we, we want more of that. Or, you know, there's all, always things yeah. that people are looking for. So you, you kind of just listen and adapt to the people that you're working with. And then lastly, I'll just say that there's always the guided, customized mindfulness activity where I, I, give, uh, I give that to, to a group of people in real time. And it's me feeding off of their energy, maybe what, what they're experiencing right there, right then. Um, things they've asked or shared with me or maybe part of the uh, educational program that day. I'll draw something from that. And so it's, it's a complete experience for yeah. people. So are there themes that, are there some themes you can cite relative to these conversations you have with the people booking you mm-hmm. or the people who participate in your corporate programs? Like what are one or two things that you are consistently hearing about what people experience? That's a great question. I often find that I talk, a, and this is probably the clinical part of me that you, you'll appreciate probably, sure. is some, some gentle cognitive reframing in that... Just because it seems like an emergency to someone else, it's, it's, we don't have to respond in the ways that we have been so conditioned to respond. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just reminding people that there are other ways of doing their job. They don't have to do it the way that they've always done it if the way they've always done it is producing them stress. And so just those, just that re, reframing that for, yeah. for people for a minute is really, really huge. And giving people, I'm a big fan of actionable tips, really easy things that people can do at work or, you know, at home um, where they can start applying this today, you know? Can you share yeah. Without spoiling the secret sure, sauce sure. of your oh, yeah. presentations, can you share a couple <laughs> oh, yeah. of those? Yeah, so, for our listeners? so one thing that I always tell people is, you know, in the movies, the director says, take five. Yes. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mean it in that way of a five-minute break. I mean five deep breaths. And if you want, you and I can do this right now, and the listeners at home, if you're not driving in the car or anything like that, you can do it with us. So, yeah, let's do a demo. 
So I invite you, Joy, to place one hand on your heart center and then the other hand on your belly. And let's start by taking some nice big belly breaths in and out. So you can count to four. Four count breath on the inhalation, good. And then exhaling, same thing, counting to four. Good, so just doing a few more of these. So this is how a baby breathes. The whole body is breathing. So five of these deep breaths typically take about a minute. I've timed it. So that's a minute of your day. And where were you at like 11 o'clock today? <laughs> Sorry for, you, you know, can, rough You can day. put me on speed dial, girl. <laughs> yeah, I'm probably going to text you next time I need my five deep breaths from Melissa. Yeah, or you know what? I, this is one of the tips is putting a timer on your phone or putting a reminder, rather, on your phone to, to do this. This is great to do before a high-pressured a high pressured meeting or a big uh, presentation Oftentimes we have to speak in front of people. People don't typically like that. This is a great thing to do beforehand. Also setting intentions, especially if you've got a presentation. So what we just did, then take a quiet moment, visualize the outcome, feel from the end point. So if you're going to give a big presentation, how do you want to feel at the end of it? Like I'm standing in my power pose like we practiced before we started. Yeah, we totally did that, by the way. <laughs> we power posed for two minutes. We did. It was good. So, yeah, absolutely. And I've done what you're talking about, mm -hmm. the taking the deep breaths before I went into a meeting with a difficult stakeholder. And I found that I was much more balanced. That's it. That's it. Because what we don't want is an amygdala hijacking. So Daniel Goleman coined that term. And that is when... The fearful part of you, the stressed out part of you, the scared little part of you, the nervous part of you, whatever, grabs hold of that wheel and starts talking. And what happens when we're in a stressed situation? We have tunnel vision, mm -hmm. right? We don't see the full picture, so we aren't maybe being as thoughtful as we would like. Again, we want the prefrontal cortex to shine in a moment like that. Absolutely. So I want you to share one more thing yes. that we were talking about before we started because I think it's really valuable and selfishly I want to learn more. And then we'll give you a chance to tell our listeners a little bit more about you and then we'll wrap things up until I can bring you back after I get a chance to attend your, cl your class myself. Great. So before we started, we were just casually talking about you know, journaling and stating mm. your intention and how you do that at the beginning of the day. I asked if you like wake up and just or one of those people who has like rays of sunshine coming out of your head. <laughs> and I wish I were one of those people, but I'm not. But you offered some other things that you do to kind of set the tone for your day, and I think they could be useful to our listeners, and selfishly to me. So I wanted you to share a little bit more before we close. Of course, of course. So I do a journaling activity every morning, and even on the weekend. And at this point, when I miss a day... It's very rare and I feel strange if I don't do it. So what I do very simply is I set an intention for the day. What is it that I want to feel? What is it that I want to experience? Perhaps I even have a goal that day or maybe I'm giving um, 
a specific presentation and I want it to, to go a certain way or, or whatever. I can be as detailed or not on that intention. So I set my intention and then I write a gratitude list. And my minimum, my bare minimum is 10 things. And I usually go over that. But wow. that's just, if you can't think of 10 things, girl, come on. You're alive. I'll put you on speed dial. (laughs) You can walk. You can see. You can hear. I had a friend, no joke, not all that long ago, call me in a panic because she thought that she was going blind. So you better believe I was putting down eyesight (laughs) the next day. I mean, stuff we take for granted. It's not hard. You just have to look for it. So she's fine, by the way. (laughs) Good. I'm glad you kind of cleared that up. Yeah, so I do that, and and actually, that is a very, and then of course I meditate after that, but that's an abridged version of a routine that someone by the name of Hal, H-A-L, Elrod, E-L-R-O-D, promotes in his book, which is a short little easy read, I highly recommend it, called The Miracle Morning. M-I-R-A-C-L-E, morning, M-O-R-N-I-N-G. And we'll include that in the show notes, too. Yeah, it's great. That's really where I got inspired to do this. He incorporates exercise and a bunch of other stuff that you should pack in in your your morning. (laughs) I don't always do my Yeah, in between feeding my kid and getting (laughs) to school and getting to work. Absolutely. Right, right. So I'm obnoxious. You're right on. No, and I, and I, yeah, that's why I kind of pick and choose the stuff that works the best for me, but, you know, so I would highly recommend folks look at that book, too. That's great. Yeah. Well, we will, there's a lot, been a lot of good uh, resources and insights shared, so I'll make sure we cover those in our show notes so our listeners can follow up. Great. So why don't you help us close out, well, before we do that, I just want to say thank you. Uh, thank you. This is fun. Good. I'm so glad, and I think that There's some really good insights that you captured for our listeners, and Natalie does a nice job of summing those up in her clothes, but I just want to thank you for the the insight and the information, and then also all those little pragmatic tips and resources and recommendations you offered along the way. So let's close by having you tell our listeners where they can find you and learn more about your work. Great, sure. So my website would be the easiest, I would think. So it's my name, Melissa, M-E-L-I-S-S-A, Marks, M-A-R-K-S, Garner, G-A-R-N-E-R.com. And um, in there, I have a, um, a little real-world meditation toolkit that I can give a significant discount to to the listeners of your podcast. They have three months from the air date to use that. And they would put in the code, what did we decide? C voice. C is in Charlie voice. and voice. So the abbreviation for collective voice. C yes. Voice. So it's typically $75. It's a, a lot of great um, audio recordings and uh, written material to go along with it. Really to uh, capture any kind of issue that you could be having in your real life Uh, world. So we talked about giving a big presentation. There's one for that. If you have a big presentation, it's a really good um, primer for that. Uh, There's another one. If you just need a really quick reset, just to hit the reset reset button for two minutes, there's one for that. Um, There's one for if you really don't like 
where you are in life. Like if say you don't like your job, um, there's one for that. You know, there's nice. yeah. So there, there's some different things in there, and I'll give your beautiful listeners uh, the toolkit for twenty five dollars. Woohoo! All right, yeah. you might be our first promotion on the show. That's pretty exciting. Woohoo! I like it absolutely. And last but not least, what about your class in town? Okay, yes. Yeah, so I have the great privilege of also contracting at. Uh, the only mindfulness studio here in Dallas, and it's called Mastermind. And so I teach at this point, so schedules are always changing, so please look at their website for, for the most up-to-date. But currently I teach Sunday afternoon at 1 o'clock, and I teach Monday morning at 8.30, and I teach Monday around at the lunch hour at 12.45, and these are all 30-minute classes. Great. Yeah. Good. Well, after, we'll have to do another podcast after I can come and experience it for sure. And they are mastermindmeditate.com, by the way. Oh, thank you for that. Excellent. Well, Melissa, thank you again. This has been so much fun. This has been great. Yay. Okay. Well, thanks again, and we'll have to do it again soon. Sounds great. Thanks. And that's a wrap on episode 19. Before I give you three takeaways, I want to commend Joy on getting two words into this episode. Those words are existential and chill. I think she's expanding the vocabulary, and those words struck with me while I was listening today. Now for your three takeaways. First is pick a practice that you heard from today's episode and work it into your daily routine. For me, I know that's going to be mindfulness while I'm brushing my teeth. Perhaps for you, it's the five deep breaths. Second is to share this episode. I'm sure we all know someone who could benefit from a little more calm or zen in their life, and this is a great starting point. For me, that person's going to be my husband. He already meditates pretty regularly, and I thought this episode did a great job of breaking down the research behind why it is so effective. Finally, is to make sure you get the resources that Melissa is providing to you by going to her website, melissamarksgarner.com and enter the promo code CVOICE to get your real-world meditation toolkit at a discount. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to having you back for episode 20. Thanks for joining us, and be sure to check out future podcasts of The Collective Voice on iTunes. This is Natalie Siston, and this is Joy Schwartz with The The Collective Collective Voice. Voice.